0: Welcome to the Wake Price Lay Podcast. The struggle to find your purpose can be real sometimes, but trust me, girl, we all have one. I felt called to start this podcast, to reach other women, and share my testimony. I'm your host, Savannah. I'm a wife, mom, and entrepreneur. I'm absolutely obsessed with personal growth and empowering other women like you to be the person God created you to be. I'll be sharing stories, tips, and anything God reveals to me along the way. I honestly have no idea what the heck I'm doing, but I'm all about living my best life in faith one step at a time. You ready, girl? Let's dive in. Hey, girl. Thank you so much for listening to the Wake Brice podcast. I am so excited that you're here. There's a huge possibility that you will hear my son in the background, but... I mean, it is what it is, it's real life. So, um, but I'm so excited for this episode. God when God revealed to me what I should touch base with and talk about in this episode, um, I was a little worried <laughs> to say the least. I felt like, well, I'm not qualified to speak on this, but I have the information from the Bible, and you know, I, I listen to sermons, and so I need to know that no matter what comes out of my mouth, that it is Holy Spirit led and that he wanted me to touch base with this. And, you know, in light of everything that has happened this year, I mean, 2020 has been insane. But I wanted to share with you some awesome news. About two weeks ago, two Saturdays ago, um, Calvary Chapel Chino Hills actually baptized almost a thousand people people. That means almost a thousand people just from one church or um, around that area came to Christ and dedicated their life to him and made it known to the world. And I think that is something incredible. I think that's something we really need to hang on to right now during during this time um, because it is very easy to get discouraged. And so I, I, really, I really just feel that there's a revival coming I think that God has an incredible plan and, you know, he can he can take anything, any any bad, any situation and turn it into good for his kingdom. And so I'm really hanging on to that fact that he does do that, that he has the power to do that in order to push through and push past any discouragement that might get thrown my way. And so the topic topics that I want to talk about, I really just want to touch base with a little bit about end times, because honestly, I feel like, I mean, some churches may be talking about this, but I don't feel like we're talking about it enough. I feel like this is something that we need to know, that we need to be prepared for. But I also want to give some information as we head into this spiritual warfare that we're facing on how to um, confront that, how to fight those battles that we're facing. So I hope that this episode really just, you know, it might be a little heavy, but at the same time, I hope that it brings you some hope and some encouragement because we know how this ends. We know what's going to happen, and I think we should be excited about that. All right, let's dive in. So like I said, 2020 has been in. Sane, Like my, my whole life, I've never seen anything like this. And, you know, I'm not that old, but I, I just like, it's, it's unbelievable. Just one thing happening after another. And so I, I don't know about you, but for me, I really feel like my eyes have been open, um, to, you know, what's happening. And obviously I don't know all the things and I can't see all the things, but it's about time that as Christians, we are prepared that we are ready for this because there, like I said, there's just so much, going on. But honestly, as a Bible-believing Christian, it really just makes me all the more excited for the return of Christ. But at the same time, devastating things are happening. You know, people are getting sick. There's been a number of natural disasters occurring, famines, lawlessness, wars, and uprisings, which if you look at any portion of the Gospels where Jesus talks about the signs of the end of times, these things are listed. So I'm going to go into this a little bit. I'm not going to add too, too much detail on this um, just because I really want to give you the tools in order to be equipped for everything, you know, that's happening and everything that is to come. Um, So this will be probably a longer episode, but if you just stick through it and listen through it or go back, pause it, go back and listen again, um... That's totally fine, too. Just just really just listen to this, okay? So um, another thing the Bible talks about happening before Jesus' return is in Mark 13, which says the gospel must first be preached to all nations. You guys, this was not possible before, but now it is. I mean, we've got radio, TV, podcasts, the internet. We have the ability to reach people all over the world with the gospel. Matthew 24, 14 also says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. But here's the thing, the Bible tells us or better yet, warns us about making predictions and setting dates for when Jesus is going to return. So just so you know, if you ever hear anyone predict when Christ is going to come back, it's not true. We have no idea when he's going to come back. But we can rest in the certainty that he will come back. And I think it's super urgent for us to have our eyes open, be on our guard and prepared for his return. And I mean, he could come back in 10, 15, even 20 years, but he could also come get us tonight. So be ready. (laughs) Matthew 24, 42 says, therefore, stay awake for you do not know on what day our Lord is coming. And second, or I'm sorry, I think. 2 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5 2 says that the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. So, all these things taking place are just lining up for the prophecy to come true. And Jesus warns us of these things happening or that are going to happen so that we can be ready and aware and so that we won't be deceived. But he's also sure to tell us that these things are to happen first, but the end will not come right away. So none of these are specific things signs of his immediate coming. Uh, Matthew 24, 8 actually describes these as labor pains. And if you've ever given birth before, you'll completely understand this. Um, Just like labor pains, they start out small and far apart. But when it gets closer to time to have the baby, they get more frequent and more intense. Can you feel me there? (laughs) Which is exactly what is going to happen before the coming of Jesus. And one thing that I want to clarify on the coming of Jesus, though, is that the rapture of the church, which is basically when believers are taken up um, of the church and his second coming, they're they're two different things. The second coming of Christ doesn't happen until the end of the seven year tribulation. the tribulation period is the period of time where the Antichrist is revealed. Uh, Second Thess- Thessalonians 2, 3-4 says, Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes a seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. So this man will come claiming peace and prosperity and all the things, and, and he'll actually make a treaty with Israel. And then three and a half years in, he will break that treaty with Israel. But you guys, not to be confused with the treaty that President Trump just made with Israel. This, of course, is uh, setting things up for the prophecy to be fulfilled. Um, 1 Thessalonians five three says, While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. Israel must be in a state where there is the word they are under the impression that there is peace and prosperity before these things occur. If this was the peace treaty of the end, that would mean that we're already in the tribulation, which we're not. Um, And before the the peace treaty spoken about in the Bible, there will be a war on Israel. This battle is the Battle of Gog and Magog. Um, You can find this in Ezekiel chapters 38 and 39. Um, But Russia, along with a few other countries, try to destroy Israel, but God steps in, obviously, and it's like, nope, nope, not Israel. (laughs) It's like a supernatural, like, saving. Um, And at that point, the tribulation will begin, and Israel will sign a peace treaty with the Antichrist to protect themselves from other invasions. Anyways, um, the second half of the tribulation is called the Abomination of Desolation, which it sounds as terrible (laughs) as it is, um, but that's after... The Antichrist breaks that treaty three and a half years into the tribulation with Israel. Um, This is after the third temple in Jerusalem is built and the man of lawlessness takes his seat in the temple and claims that he is God. This is also when people will be required to take the mark of the beast. So for then there will be great distress unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, and never be equaled again, is what Matthew 24 21 tells us. So after the seven years, there will be the battle of Armageddon that destroys the Antichrist and those against Israel. So just to clarify, the second coming of Christ is when his feet physically like touch the ground. Um And I hope that cleared up some confusion, because I was really confused about all this um before, you know, I, I, read my Bible and and listened to sermons on this and did some studying. And I've heard a lot of people freaking out about the treaty with Israel, as well as the coronavirus vaccine being the mark of the beast. The vaccine is not the mark of the beast and Donald Trump is not the Antichrist. And this is why it's important that we read and study our Bible so that, you know, we're not deceived or confused. Um, And also just really, really look into it, too. Um, But if you want more info on end times, the tribulation, and what is going to occur during that time, then definitely check out the book of Revelation. I recommend Chuck Missler's sermon on Revelation to break it down. Remember that God promises a blessing for those who read and study the book of Revelation. So moving on, I personally believe in a pre-tribulation rapture because the Bible tells us as believers that we will not be appointed to God's wrath, um, which is what that period is. Um, and there is, I mean, there's evidence to support pre-, mid-, and post-tribulation. Uh, you can study it, actually, and see what you believe. And I think that post-trib is, is a little far out there, <laughs> but I think that we could be taken up before or even in the middle. Good news, though. Good news. Um, if you believe in pre-trib rapture, then we won't have to see any of these things happen, so pray that Jesus raptures us beforehand because we we honestly don't know. But what we do know is that in the end, God wins. That's, that's something to be super excited about, okay? Okay, so I've covered a little bit about end times, but I'm going to go back to when I was talking about all the devastating things that are happening in the world, and it can really cause us to become discouraged, Um, the enemy uses this as a weapon against Christians to try to knock us down. But what about spiritual warfare? It's no secret that we are in a spiritual battle as believers, and it's the enemy's attempt to knock us down and turn us away from God. But Paul makes it clear in Ephesians that we aren't being called into battle. We are in spiritual warfare. It is But Satan's schemes have nothing when we stand against them in the power of God. And I don't know if... You've been feeling attacked lately. I know there's been moments where I really feel attacked, but the spiritual battle would be why. Um, But we don't need to be afraid because God quite literally equips us and gives us the things we need in order to fight this battle. He gives us what we need to stand in faith and take a stand against the spiritual warfare. It is God's will for us to be prepared and resist the enemy. The enemy wants to destroy our salvation and it's so important for us to guard our hearts and not be discouraged during these times. We all have a calling, a mission, a course to fulfill. So I'm gonna give you the tools right now From the Bible itself on how we stand firm against the enemy and his schemes, I'm going to read Ephesians 6, 10 through 20, and then I'm going to break it down for you. So the other day, I actually really felt pulled to read Ephesians 4, 5, and 6. And when I got to Ephesians 6, there was just so much info, like notes, um, that I needed to take to break it down. And it was really helpful because, you know, I've read Ephesians 6 before. I've read it a, quite a few times. And and when I really sat down to study it and break it down, it just it helps me feel more prepared and it helps me feel like I can put on the armor of God because I know how, like what what it is, how we put it on and what what comes from it, how to use it. So that's why I want to share this with you right now um, in light of all the chaos. Um, And Ephesians 10 through 20 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Here's the thing, exactly like it it said in that passage, we aren't in a battle of flesh and blood right now. Even if it seems that way, these worldly things that are happening to us that we are facing aren't a flesh battle. It's a spiritual battle. And the first thing I want to point out in this passage is the first sentence where it says, finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. We need to strengthen ourselves with the Lord. We need to rely on him and his power, and then we must put on the armor of God. These things go hand in hand. They're essential equipping for Christian combat. The key is to first have faith by relying on God Almighty, relying on him more and more, and then doing the actual work. I read a commentary actually that said something regarding this so perfectly. Um, it said something along the lines of this, uh, we can't rely on God and then do nothing, be lazy, you know, um, but we can't we also can't just rely on ourselves to do all the work and not rely on God. We literally have to do both things, rely on God and put in the work. In this situation, making sure that we know we can rest in God and his strength and then putting on our armor ourselves and doing what the Bible tells us to do. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. We can literally only stand when we are equipped with the armor God has given us in Jesus Christ. And this enables us to stand against spiritual attacks. And I also wanted to read you guys from this devotional that I found on um, the YouVersion Bible app. Um, I will be sure to put the link in the notes if I can figure out how to do that from my computer. Um, but it's called Put on the Whole Armor of God by Vance K. Jackson. It's a three-day devotional. So, put on the, arm, the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Ephesians 6.11, King James Version. Let's, let's examine ephesians 6:11 king james version the first word of this passage is put When you put on the entire armor of God, you're intentionally dressing yourself with every part of his word. Choose to put on the whole armor of God. Don't cherry pick his word. Don't self-erect the parts of the Bible that you choose to obey. Digest his entire word. God requires your participation. You have to make the choice to put on the armor of God. Ephesians 6.11 NLT declares, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand for against all the strategies of the devil. Actively put on God's armor so that the enemy will not take you off guard. You can't defeat the enemy in your own armor, your flesh. You can't defeat the enemy in your own strength. You can't defeat the enemy with your carnal intellect. Only God's armor can keep you and protect you from the snares and traps of the enemy. Only God's word can defeat and destroy the enemy's tactics. Ephesians 6.11 AMPC declares, Put on God's whole armor, the armor of a heavy armed soldier which God supplies, that you may be able to successfully stand up against all the strategies and deceits of the devil. God supplies your armor. God is the one who gives you strength, courage, tenacity, and the boldness to fight the enemy and There are um, some action questions here as well, which is Are there gaps in your armor? Really think about this. Are there gaps in your armor? Are you trying to defeat the enemy in your own strength? Choose to surrender to God daily. Read the entire chapter of Ephesians 6. Pray and ask God to equip you for your assignment. I just love that so much. Um, So, moving on to the actual armor of God and what that entails, like, what each piece of the armor means. So there's the belt of truth. Um, Truth is crucial. A dishonest Christian, we can't withstand the father of lies. We need to always be speaking truth. The truth that our faith rests in in the truth of Jesus Christ, saving us from sin and death. The truth that if we believe and turn away from sin, that we will live eternal life with Christ. So then there's the breastplate of righteousness. Um, The definition of righteousness is morally right, justifiable, and virtuous. Fun fact, uh, breastplate goes completely around the body, so the back of a warrior is protected as well. Um, This is a good representation of the practical righteous character and deeds of a believer. Turning from our old sinful ways and not leaving a foothold for the enemy to sneak in. So if we are actively doing what the Bible tells us to do and living the life that God has called us to live, turning away from our sin, repenting of our sin, um, we can be guarded because you know if you if you go to bed angry at night, you're leaving a foothold for the devil to get in. Anytime you you know, have a snooty thought or whatever, confess that to God. Because when we just sit on the those little sins, those sins that occur, um, even if they're big sins, you know, if we don't confess and repent those to God, we're literally leaving the door wide open for the enemy to come in. Um, so moving on to the shield of faith, faith is represented as a shield which protects us from the fiery darts of the evil one. This is the persistent efforts of demonic foes to weaken us through the fear and unbelief. Thoughts, fears, and lies are all things that can be fired at us by the enemy, which is why we need the shield of faith to protect us. Having faith that we cannot be ruined when we have Jesus That God is protecting us and no matter the battles we face, we are strong and we can get through anything. Believing that God has your back and is fighting your battles for you. He is fighting battles that you can't even see. Rest in that and know that you're protected. And then there's the helmet of salvation. So here, salvation is pictured as a helmet that is protecting, you know, an important part of our body. It's, our, our heads are essential. I don't know about you, but I'm very protective of my head. Okay. <laughs> a soldier definitely wouldn't go into battle without a helmet. So think about it like that. First Thessalonians five eight actually speaks of the helmet of salvation as a connection to the hope of salvation. Our hope rests in Jesus. That we are saved because of his sacrifice. The helmet of salvation protects us from the desire to give up. That discouragement giving us the hope that not only are we saved, but that we will be saved. The assurance that God will be victorious, our God always wins, is really, really freaking hard to stay discouraged when we wear our helmet of salvation, protecting our minds from negativity and discouragement, which again is a weapon used against us by the devil. And then we got the sword of the spirit. This is the Bible, God's word. This is the only weapon in the armor of God. All the other pieces are like a form of protecting our bodies. Um, But the idea is that the spirit provides a sword for you. And this isn't necessarily the Bible as a whole, but using specific scripture in specific situations against the enemy. Um, which is actually what I talked to you about before. Um, So, and again, like the whole Bible is our sword, yes. But when we take specific scriptures at certain times, we can effectively use it against the devil. Um, So this is literally how we defend ourselves. But also to effectively use the sword, we must regard it as the word of God, that God spoke these things. And if we're not confident in the inspiration of scripture and where it came from, then we won't be able to effectively use it at all. Not only did the spirit give us scriptures, but he makes them alive to us. He equips us to use it at the right time in the right place. For example, this is a great example that I read in a commentary. So a soldier who is training to go into battle practices using his sword. Also, like the moves and positions that that needs to be used. Um, A superior fighter will remember what he practiced and use it at the right time. He won't be able to do that if he doesn't first practice. So in order to effectively use the sword, aka scripture, we must know it intimately, study it, meditate on it, know it. So that when the time comes and the enemy tries to knock you down, you can take what the Bible says and thrust your sword at him. Uh, Matthew 4 is the perfect example, which I think I've shared this with you before, but I'll say it again. When This is when Satan came to tempt Jesus in the desert, and he used scripture against Jesus. But Jesus knew what the Bible said and was able to effectively fling scripture right back at him to make him flee. Um, James 1, to 24 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. I love that so much. Um, So next is pray in the spirit. After you put your armor on, it's so important to be praying. Without prayer, the armor would be in no use. Paul tells us to pray in all kinds of prayer. Well, what exactly does it mean to pray in all kinds of prayer? Like, I was like, when I first heard that, I was like, what is that? What? What? You don't just sit there and, you know, bow your head and close your eyes and pray. Um, There's literally so many different forms of prayer, like group prayer, individual prayer, silent prayer, shouting prayer, walking prayer, kneeling prayer, constant prayer, and so many more. Just be sure to pray. This is how we stay in communication with God. And it is through prayer that spiritual strength and the armor of God go to work. Also, remember to pray for other believers as well. Our leaders, pastors, family, spouses, and so on. Always be on alert and pray for the Lord's people. We can go into battle spiritually not only ourselves, but on behalf of other believers as well. Most importantly, remember perseverance and patience and prayer are essential. Keep praying. Be patient. God hears you. He, God is patient. He's not in any rush or any sort of timeline like we are. He is all knowing. You know, we're the ones in a rush, but God knows what's best and he will answer when the time is right. He will send the help when the time is right. He will He will pull us out when the time is exactly right. And it's so amazing to actually see that happen when you Prayed for something and prayed for something for so long. And you're like, well, God, like, why aren't you answering? You told me in your word that if I ask, I shall receive. And I'm not receiving your answer. And then as soon as it happens, as soon as God sends you your answer, you know, y- you will look back and you will see how it aligns so perfectly. God's timing is everything. If you would have gotten it before or, you know, God would have came through like before, that might not have been the right moment, but God's timing is always perfect. So my beautiful friend, I hope this helped you today and I hope that it gives you a little bit of hope and encouragement. Gosh, I know how hard times are right now. I have spent time praying and crying and feeling defeated and discouraged at times um, with everything, you know, and it's, it's really hard and this is why, this is exactly why we need to be prepared. We need to armor up and make sure that we are protected and in the word and, and trusting in God because he knows what he's doing. He knows what's happening. He knows what the future holds and he knows when the end is going to come. This is how we guard our hearts and stand firm until the end. You're not alone. We have a divine power backing us up, a strength larger than we can ever, ever imagine. So be happy and rejoice that we get to go through these battles. Don't dwell on it. Don't beat yourself up because you're facing battles right now. God gives us what we need to fight those battles to make it through. And we know how this ends. So girl, you got this. God's got this, okay? Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for equipping us for battle. Thank you for giving us everything that we need in order to fight and make it through. We are soldiers in the Lord's army and we will rejoice in the fact that we have been chosen to fight this battle with your hand guiding us and giving us strength. Father, I pray for the people out there struggling right now. I know it is a hard time on earth right now for so many people. There are people discouraged who don't know if they can keep fighting. There are people suffering and people dying. I know that sometimes it's unbearable, but we know that our hope rests in you. I pray for strength to make it through this battle that we will be armed and ready to face anything that the enemy tries throwing at us. And we find hope and strength. We know how this battle ends and we can have peace because of that fact. God, I pray for a revival of your people. On behalf of your church, please forgive us for our sins and help us turn away from our old ways. I pray in Jesus' name that we will see you face to face soon. The time is near, but in the meantime, we will find joy in the fact that we are still here as we have a purpose to spread the word, the gospel, so many, many people will be saved. Thank you for your limitless power in fighting our battles for us. You will be victorious. In Jesus' name amen. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'm really excited about this episode and I hope that it helped you. God bless. Okay, but seriously, thank you so much for listening. It means the world to me. If you love this podcast, please share it with your bestie or you can share it to your social media through your Facebook or your Instagram stories if you like. But make sure that you tag me so I can say thank you. This was seriously so much fun. Talk to you soon, girl.